Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is brought to you by the Friends in Recovery community, a thriving network of individuals who are fighting back against the stigma of addiction. Join our hosts as they speak up about the real issues of addiction, treatment, and recovery. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to this week's show, Friends in Recovery Community Podcast. And I am Tiffy, and of course we have Bambi, <laughs> Bambi B. I think that's funny. That's why I was like, Bambi. Anyway, I, it's- I should be Buckeye Bambi. Buckeye Bambi. Yeah, I oh, should be good. Buckeye Bambi. You should Bambi. change your name. Right, I should change that. I yes. will. For next week, I'll be Buckeye Bambi. Buckeye Bambi. And Ed is gone. We miss you. We need you. It's so much easier when you just run this show and then I can just get on and talk and, you know, say funny things and interrupt you and cut you off and do things like that. But anyway, you'll be back next week and we um will be grateful for that but i hope you guys are having fun at the convention and uh meeting lots of people and lear- learning lots of new things anyway this week's show is about tradition 7 um and so we'll get into that i i haven't prepared very much i'm going to be honest with you and it's been a while so bambi has prepared a whole bunch so i'm hoping that she can just carry us as the newbie she can just carry us through this show and it'll be the band buckeye bandy show today well um, i just wanted to argue because i'm like i don't agree with some of this you know so i need you to set me straight on some of it so all right well that's good that's how we'll do it i'll read off the tradition what it is and then you ask those questions like why is it like that all right but before we do that i just wanted to remind everybody that we um of course, on all the social media platforms. So if you want to, it would be very, very nice if you shared all of the platforms with your friends, recommended them to uh, or recommended them um, to join us and follow us and like us on Facebook, of course, and YouTube and all the other social media platforms like TikTok and um, Instagram and all of those fun things. Well, also, we haven't mentioned this in a while. Um, we're on the Telegram app. So if you have Telegram or download the Telegram app on your phone, you can join the friends and recovery community and you can have be in a live chat uh, that goes 24 seven with our internal community. And we're there. We're not only supportive. We also answer questions and things like that. Um, I do want to Ed. it was very important to him to share his phone number so that if anybody needs help um, or if they just want to talk, we have been sharing our phone numbers. And so I'm going to read off Ed's and I'm going to look at it so that I make sure I get it right. It is Ed C. Jersey Ed, where are you? Just sent which one too. I'm using a different phone, the office phone, and I can't find anything. Anyway, I'll work on that. But in the meantime, mine is 952-688-1092. So if you ever need anything, or if you just need to chat, or you need some support or some advice, go ahead and um, give me a shout. And of course, you can also call Jersey Ed. And he is at 215 
694-694. And I think that's pretty cool that we're giving out our phone numbers again. That's how I found the Friends in Recovery community back about, I don't know, it's been a couple of years now, but I was one of those crazy people that I said this last week. I called Ed just to see if they like were really these people that were crazily giving out their phone number on this podcast that's broadcast all over and they can't control it. I thought this has to be fake. This is some sort of joke, right? They're sending, they're trying to sell something or get you. I thought, you know what I really thought? I thought they were trying to get you into treatment. I thought you would call that phone number and they'd be like, you know, come into treatment or do whatever. I don't know what I thought, but anyway, I called and they actually answered and uh, I hung up the phone because I (laughs) freaked out. I was like, there's a real human over there, but he was there. And then of course we always have our emails. So, um, you can email us anytime and all these things will be in the show notes. So we're going to get started now. We don't have any sober shout outs. So we're just going right into the tradition, which is tradition, tradition seven and tradition seven states. Every AA group ought to be self-supporting, declining outside contributions. So Bambi, you said that you had some questions and this is a very interesting one. We talk about this tradition the most. It's mentioned in the meetings. It's mentioned all over. It's a very uh, commonly uh, talked about tradition, but I don't think a lot of people really dive into it and know exactly what's going on. And, and it sounds like you have. So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, there's all these rules like um, to start with, it was like the principles behind making that decision. And it said gaining spirituality and avoiding outside interference were the two big key areas that they wanted to you know, to maintain AA in its integrity. They wanted, um, you know, people to gain the spirituality of being able to be self-supporting and stuff, but there are specifics, you know, like, oh yeah, only donate $5,000 per year. Like, even if, like, if I go out and hit the lottery and I want to donate, that's my limit. It's your limit. So what happened is, um, well, first of all, we're a bunch of addicts and alcoholics. So just like everybody else, when, when you got sober, you want, you know, if you were like me, uh, and I know like Bill W and a lot of other people that the book, uh, tells us about, you want to save the world afterwards, right? You can't understand why not everybody wants to join AA. And so they had all these great ideas that they were going to start all these foundations. They were going to have their own hospitals. They were going to have their own treatment centers. Basically, they were going to do everything and provide everything for anybody who was a drunk and they were going to fix them, right? And if they right. they had all these things, different levels of a building, just crazy. Because of course, we always have that all or nothing thinking and we dive right in and we get passionate about something. And especially about this, because we started feeling so good, right? And our life started changing. And um, so we wanted everybody to know about it. So that limit was set um, in that, um, keeping that in mind, a, they actually the the original hospital that Bill W was treated at and where he was introduced to, to AA, that doctor, first of all, couldn't believe that Bill was sober. He finally was like, oh my gosh. And that doctor said to him, because Bill went to the doctor in that hospital and said, would you mind if I started sharing this with people? And he was like, well, yes, right? Like he tried to treat Bill for years and there was so many relapses and he finally got sober to treat him. So as he watched him him, uh, do this, Bill was like, 
or the guy who said to Bill, the doctor said to Bill, he said, uh, you really got something here. I think you can, you could make a living off of this, <laughs> you know, like really that sales spirit, like you could really, really make a living off of this. And so, you know, that's where the idea started rolling. Well, we'll just do all these things. We'll start our own stuff and we'll take care of all the drunks and they'll all have a place to go now, right? Nobody's going to turn them away and we're going to do it all through donations. They went and actually it was the Rockefellers. It was all these people that Bill was connected with um, went to a, a huge, huge like event that was hosted. And he was going to go to this event that was hosted by the, I think it was the Rockefellers. Um, and, and pitch this idea to start these, you know, large donations. And, um, it was after that, that I think it was Rockefeller himself. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong about the person, but it was some, someone big like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, sent bill a letter and a check for $1,000. So he, and he explained why, you know, if you get large donations like this, or when you do, you know, um, you, those people start having influence over your decision makings, how the, how, who buys what, maybe, maybe not everybody should be in AA, right. Or, uh, you should serve better coffee or you should do this. And those influencers based on their donations that you want to keep coming in, you start pleasing them. And so that's when they decided to set that limit of a thousand dollars. And this was during a time uh, where everybody was broke. Like they were paying for this AA to, out of their own pocket through the head, world headquarters and things like that. And um, they could have really, really, really used the money to keep the program grow, going and growing. And uh, they ended up setting this tradition up so that they would limit that so that there wouldn't be that outside influence. It'd be, it remained pure and honest and true to its members because it's, we're fully, you know, supporting our own way and um, self-funded. So that's, does that make sense? Does that answer it, your it, question on why they set the limit? Make, it does make sense, but you would think that, I mean, these limits are still pretty strict. I mean, yes, it's only, it started at a thousand and now it's at five only. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, um, that's how much I can give a year, but even if I die, I can only give 5,000. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a very, very strict and, um, but it's working right. And right. it keeps everybody, it um, you know, it, it feels good to be able to contribute something. It doesn't make anybody feel less for not being able to contribute, for, you know, as, you know, as much money as some of those large contributors. So it keeps kind of everybody on that same playing field. And I, I just really appreciate it. I hated the traditions before until I started learning about it and um, hearing these stories and things like that. And um, I can really appreciate this one because no matter what or where you're at or what status, how much money you have, we're all treated the same. None of us has any more influence over the other. And it keeps us, you know, true to our belief systems and our core values. And I think that's good because this program is teaching us those core values. And I've used that in my life since, you know, I've thought about, you know, it's not been so cool when I came in as the showboat and, oh, you know, here I gave this much money and then I was treated differently, you know, at a party or whatever, you know, it's really not cool. It makes a lot of people feel bad. 
you know, no matter how much you need money, but Hey, they raised it to where they're at because they're probably keeping up with the costs. And I trust, um, because we're all self-run too, that the, and appointed in those positions that were at an amount where if we absolutely needed to take more money, they would take more money. They'd raise the limit. So, uh, and we all have influence over that. We're, it's all talked about, voted on, and it's it's not a solo act, right? But there are bills to pay. There's oh stuff yeah, that, I mean, there's a lot of um a lot of bills when I and I didn't realize how much um we actually. I mean, you know, when you give to the donation basket, where all that goes to? Do you? I mean, there's lots of different um, wow. levels. They used to hand write every single letter that came, people would write letters to the office and um, they would respond to each of those letters. They would answer them and by hand. Um, actually, Ed and I, we saw some of the correspondence from the first Bill W's first secretary and longtime secretary. We got to touch and see all of the, he used to write her postcards, you know, when they would go on vacation because she would, you know, run the office or do whatever she needed to do. And she would handle all this correspondence and she had beautiful handwriting and anybody who made any sort of inquiry, she would hand write a note back. And so would he. And they actually, that's how I think we were started in, in Canada is they actually got started getting so many letters. They started involving another, you know, person and they said, well, you know, because a guy called us, I want to start a group in Canada. They said, here, answer all these letters <laughs> from people. And those are expensive. You got paper, right? You got someone writing it. You have, you know, the cost of postage, all of those things, the time it takes to do it. There is expenses to keep the lights on anything. So there are expenses, but it seems like we're, we're covering it. So. And it actually, yeah, I, I found a letter. It was the seventh tradition contribution. It was actually from the GSO or the general service office. And it talks about um, like there's 90,000 um, emails, letters, and phone calls um, each year just to the general service sure. office, not even counting the things that get at every home group and yes. at everyone that's just at the general office. I thought that was pretty pretty uh, it's incredible. And think yeah. of all the people behind the scenes that are running all those Zoom meetings and keeping that website alive and posting the grapevine and putting all the content. You know, there's so many people that are, you know, pitching meetings to be Zoom meetings in, on, you know, for meetings on Zoom. And those all have to go through a process, you right. know, with and, and a lot of them are volunteers, but they have we have to pay a lot of people to do this. So, right. And it's all done on, on the minimal amount. Um, Very minimal. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It says it gets over 40,000 visits per day. This letter mm -hmm. from the GSO says for uh, email visits. I mean, um, I mean, the, the website gets 40,000 visits a day. That's, Isn't that amazing? No. Just think of like wild. all of the websites out there. Like think about Google, right? We know that that's an astronomical number, but at AA is holding strong, the AA website wow. at 40,000 clicks for visits a day. I mean, that's not the number of clicks. There's more clicks than that because then you click through that, but just visits or views a day. That's an right. incredible amount of people. 8 million books, pamphlets, videos, and audio podcasts are distributed annually. One of the most published books in 
ever written was the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And for the longest time, they were giving them out free. They still do a lot of places. Mm-hmm. That, that just makes you feel like awestruck, like you're part of this huge, huge, I mean, probably one of the hugest organizations out yes. there. It's a very big organization. I don't think people realize how much, right? Very and- humbling. Yes. Speaking of humbling, you know, for our seventh step, but that's very humbling to know that. And that's the other thing. We're supposed to be humble. It keeps us sober. And this is all these traditions were around those values. So it's trying to this. It was it was they were set because the traditions weren't always there. They ended up having to be put in place about 14 years after um, AA was started, 14 years after the big book, actually. And, um, because everybody started doing this sort of thing where they were like, well, so, you know, some of these groups were like exclusive groups, right? Well, we're just going to kick everybody out because these people donate money and they don't want to be with in a group with people with, you know, that are a lower status or a lower class than them. Um, and they started hearing all these things and then they were writing to the home office. Well, no, we're doing things like this and we're doing things like this. And, um, that's why they set these in, in motion and started writing the traditions. Bill started writing the traditions and, um, you know, doing all those things. So I just got distracted because I looked down at my phone. I told you I would do that. Like I, I look was, at a yes. mm-hmm. and I saw that we missed the question of the day. So we're, let's pause for a moment. Oh, okay. And uh, right. now Carl can do the big bam question of the week. Uh, so the, I, I came up with the question of the week on the fly this morning, um, the question of the week, and I'm asking you first, obviously, Bambi, is what is your biggest pet peeve? Well, you know, so from the time you asked me, I had to, my brain had to go, my biggest pet peeve. And I decided that, you know, I would make it one that would incorporate the most things that drive me crazy. So it would be like assumptions, but then but that's not really it. The, I mean, assumptions, yes. Everyone in this house assumes that if they leave dishes in the sink, I will just do them. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I think I live in your house. <laughs> that is, my, I, that has to be, I don't know why that drives me so crazy. We have a dishwasher there. It's always unpacked because I make sure it's unpacked. So if you use something, stick it away in the dishwasher. Don't leave it in my kitchen sink. Drives me absolutely crazy. But they will just assume that if they leave it, Bambi will come along and will take care of it. So that's because you were a people pleaser for all these years and now you have boundaries. That's right. So today I have let my um, dear husband know that um, I'm going to make Korean short ribs for dinner when I can thaw them out in the sink because the sink is full. (laughs) (laughs) A little motivation. I love it. That's that's one of Chris's big pet peeves too, is he cannot stand it's not so much leaving the dishes in the sink but it's the not rinsing off of not the dishes. Them. oh my gosh and and that's a bothersome to it it's like why can't you just why wouldn't you rinse that off and you know what i i thought about as you were talking about this remember when we were kids like i was forced to do the dishes all the time by no hand. dishwasher no dishwasher no and now kids don't ever have to do anything so they never have to you know they never know that 
food and shit gets stuck on the goddamn plate and it's gross and it's fucking disgusting. It Absolutely. smells. The whole sink smells when you leave it in there. It's so gross. I can't stand it. Oh, that's why I love bleach. Or when you rinse it off, you've rinsed something off and it's all those particles just sit in the bottom of the sink. Yes. Why would you do that? No, no. I you just gross. It's just like washing your hands. Wash the sink. Exactly. Yes, I get it. I hear you. So I like you, Bambi and I had a little discussion kind of chat back and forth. How can you just narrow it down to one? Peppy. I know like I'm, I'm working on it. That's one of my character defects. I don't want to have so many pet peeves, but the one, well, there's two. And I just, well, I'm going to tell you both, but the one major one that comes right to the top of my head immediately is when you ask somebody a question and they don't answer the question you ask. Right. So like, where are you right now? Well, I was, you know, over here and, and driving, but I'm heading to, I'm heading home. No, I asked you, where are you right now? I didn't ask if you were heading home. Where are you right, right now? Right. I just, you ask someone a question and they tell you something different. It's very natural. Now, since it's like always in the forefront in my mind, people do it all the time. Right. Because you're where thinking you? about it. I'm heading home. No, I said, where are you? I'm heading home. Where are you right now? I'm in the car on highway 12 in Delano, right? You know, like right. that's where my location is. So that's the one thing is you ask, and that's a very petty example, but people do it a lot. Um, and I mean, there's a few, but I hate when people do a project. Like if you're going to do something, just do it the right way the first time. Like you, like rinsing off the dishes. You're right there. Like, why don't you just put it in the dishwasher? You're standing right there. Just go all the way through. Just follow it through. Follow the process. Just follow the process and don't leave it half-assed. Or why do you want to come back and do it again? You had your hand on the dish. You already started the work. Why do you want to start that work again when you go put it in the dishwasher or whatever? You know, I just, when people don't finish or follow through with what they're doing now, don't get me wrong. I'm a procrastinator. I put projects off like nonstop. I've got projects that have been sitting around here that I've started and they, it's been a year, you know, but, um, when I do it, as I'm doing it, I'm doing it right. You know, it's a, mm -hmm. a project, but, um, and I'm doing it my way, but I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird question. Nobody else had anything to mention on the, oh, passive aggressive. Jordan says passive aggressive behavior. Oh, that's that's terrible. One. Oh, that's incredibly. I don't like that either. I know someone who does that a lot and it's not in a like joking manner or fun manner. It's really hurtful and intended to be mean and it drives me crazy. So yes, that passive aggressiveness is nuts. All right. So back to tradition seven. Again, we're talking about tradition seven. If you just joined us and it, we're talking about how every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. So again, the second part of that question that, or what discussion that we were having is, you know, the, then you have to start thinking about corporate sponsorships and things like that. 
And, um, though that's another misrepresentation, you know, all of a sudden, like a, a company now a company is our big corporation is making large donations and getting a write off. And they're saying that, you know, they, they want influence, they want influence and we're keeping away that outside influence, the intended purpose, uh, for the tradition and, and offering up money was that some people didn't have it. And so, and remember, everybody had potatoes and only potatoes in thirties when this started. Right. So when you went to a potluck, everybody bought, you know, you'd have 20 dishes made out of potatoes because that's all you had. So they would pass the hat. You'd throw in if, if you had, right. And you could contribute, you'd throw in the hat. And if you needed a buck, you took a buck. So um, it was to help people and uh, contribute as much as you can, when you can, and keep the place going. What else, what other questions did you notice or, or things that you had? Well, so what happens? So what if I'm one of those people out there that, um, you know, my friend has been helped through AA so much, and I don't know anything about it because I don't go to those meetings. So I don't know about a seventh tradition. I didn't listen to the podcast on the seventh tradition by friends in recovery. So I don't know about it and I donate. What happens then? Um, you know, you get a check, a anonymous, you know, donor. Um, what happens to it? What do they do with that? Well, they would send, I don't I know exactly, but I know that they have, they've had to reject money before and they've returned it. Well, I know I've read in the 12 traditions, even that they rejected that um, one lady had died and actually left like 10,000 in a, will. And that's when they first made the decision that they yes. were not going to take it. Um, and they struggled over it because they really needed that money at that they point. They really did, especially in that time. Right. Right. Cause we're talking, you know, early forties or late thirties or somewhere along there and they really needed it. And, um, but they turned that away back then. So, um, yeah, they so, turned it away. Yeah. Now, what if you don't know where it comes from? I mean, how do you turn, what do you do with the money then? Do they like donate it somewhere Jesus else? Jesus, Bambi, hell, I don't know. It must be somewhere. I don't, there's something written somewhere about it. Um, but I, I have no, there must be a process and I don't know what they do with it, but they do not take it. They won't take it. They won't take it. They, they just won't don't. take it. And it is, I mean, this money is though, the money you do give, it's tax deductible, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it is. I mean, not that anyone's given a bunch because we're not allowed to, right? right. So, um, I I agree. I mean, I, I there are a lot of questions that I had about this too because I thought we should. This is so funny that you say that because as a newcomer, when I I mean first started new, when I say newcomer getting into the traditions, I couldn't understand that answer either. Yeah, but, it just seems so weird. And then I did come across a thing that said. Um, uh, it said, we didn't and we don't take money from outsiders, no matter how kind or well-intentioned, who stands for we help ourselves. Yes, we help ourselves. Right. We're strong, yeah. independent people that we just don't always know it. And again, these are traditions and values. These values that are, they're putting or trying to instill in us are to make our lives better. This is to create um, fun, normal functioning human beings in today's world, anybody, and anywhere's world. And we didn't start out that way. I no, mean, of us were not. Trusted. Oh, no, we didn't even no pay one. our bills. Nobody wanted to help us or treat us or even at the clinic or the hospital because nobody paid their bill. No alcoholic does that. 
Right. You wouldn't have wanted to pass a basket around because someone would have been taken from it instead of donating to it. Right. I mean, right. we were not trustworthy. Where was our next drink coming exactly. from? Where was our next drug coming from? You know, so uh, so have? it's teaching us those behaviors that we just didn't learn in life. No, we didn't. And it's crazy. Right. And right. even even the good values, I, I do. I know and I'm confident, like instinctually, I had good morals right but it, as a symptom of my disease all that went out the window especially at the end it just mm -hmm. progressively kept getting worse and worse and worse i had reduced myself down to this animalistic level um but so I, even when we do start out with it doesn't matter if we've had the best upbringing we still this happens but this brings us full circle brings us back and you know really I think the traditions should be um, the 12 ways to deal with people. You can use all these same traditions as okay. core values in your business, how you run your corporation in your business. You can use, I mean, all of these are just great life concepts and values um, to, to live your life by. And I think everybody should know them. And uh, I hope that everybody uses our podcast that we've gone through them once a month and they're learning. So, because the 12, I mean, the, I say that about the 12 steps all the time is that this should be a life program out there for everyone, how they should teach right. you in the school system, teach you how to be a better person and a better friend and a better, you know, everything. I mean, just a life lesson. And as a newbie, I just didn't know that the 12 traditions were important or that yes. they really had this kind of meaning behind them. There's a huge meaning behind everyone, and um, they're very um, informative and just really more more rules on how to deal. Like I said, how to operate yourself, how to deal with people is I don't know. I just really think they should be called how to deal with people because you know I should be self supporting, right? I don't need to take all these on outside contributions. I can support myself. It makes me feel better. It makes me, you know, my conf have confidence in myself. I don't need someone to take care of me and pay my bills for me. I can do it on my own. Doesn't that make sense? It, it does make sense. And you know, and I, I feel like I should probably teach my kids that maybe I should teach my kids. You don't need to rely on me. I know I've brought you up and, and, and funded all of your things until now, but you can start con contributing. This will make you grow as an individual and a human being and practice out, practice these principles out in life. So right. in all our affairs, right? In all our affairs, all of our affairs. That's right. No longer affairs with people. Just kidding. <laughs> and then I was um, also reading where it was, it talked a lot about the, the um, how it, they didn't want it to hinder into the spirituality aspect. So I'm assuming that just goes along the lines of the growth again with, yes. you know, how it affects our spirituality. Mm -hmm. Again, it does. It always, I, there's some, uh, every, the, the grapevine, which if you guys don't know what the grapevine is, you can go to aagrapevine.org. It's awesome. It's all these letters that people have written and there's a whole book of every, every Every publication or every submission that Bill W. did, you can get the history of it. Um, but they come out with this check checklist. They're they're big, and the grapevine is big into the traditions. And so the checklist asks you several questions, and these are to apply to yourself. And this is they directly correlate to the seventh tradition. 
Um, let me, I'm looking for number seven. Okay, it says, honestly now, do I, do I do all I can to help AA? My group, my central office, my GSO remain self-supporting. So do I help my group remain self-supporting? Could I put a little more into the basket on behalf of the new person who can't afford it yet? How generous was I when drunk in a bar room? I was very generous when I was drunk in a bar room. I had lots of people that I basically, my friends were not my friends. I would dump all of my money on crazy ram, random impulsive things. And Ed's talked about many times, you know, d- doing it to make himself look like a big shot. Right. But you're piss poor when you walk out the door, you got nothing for a week, can't feed your kids or do whatever. A lot of us did that. We, you know, get loose with our money and we want to, you know, our pride and ego gets in the way and we like being looked at as we're contributing and things like that. Um, But this is saying be generous in a different way now, right? The person who can't afford it in the basket. Yeah, go ahead. Put, put a dollar or two and five. I don't care what you do. Hold that person up for a while. Right. Uh, Until they can start being a productive human contributing to contributing to society and they can put their own money in the basket. Um, Tony says it's a really good plan of a plan for good life skills, which is exactly what you were saying. So, and Sandy said it correlates to enabling for her self-reliance is the key to caring for oneself. So exactly what you were saying. Yes. Yes. And these are skills that we should teach everybody and use in life. How do I, or my group, Support our international journals of Alcoholics Anonymous, Grapevine or Lovina. I don't know. We don't need an answer. Um, but it's again, it's talking about support. How do I support it? You know, there are so many things that you can start learning about about how to support without contributing these over five thousand dollar checks, right? Right. You can contribute in different ways, and that means, hey, we're here for service. <laughs> I can contribute by giving service. That is a, the the best way to keep myself sober, right? The other way that you can contribute is when you buy books or anything related to AA, order it from the Grapevine website or the AA website, because there's a certain percentage of every purchase that goes back to, to, you know, the organization. So, and you get a discount. So it's again, helping and being supportive. I've bought coin. I've bought coins, you know, the coins that we give away, the medallions, right. I've bought a whole set and given them to the, um, when they were running out at one of our groups and didn't have them, I was able to get them quickly, bought them and, and donated them to uh, one of the groups I used to go to so that they would have, everybody was out of six, six months coins. Like you couldn't get your hand on six month coins, but. Then uh, you knew anyway. that that money was going to the right, to the right yes. reason for the right, yes. you know. Exactly. So I wasn't spending it on my latte, even though right. I could, right. I was helping support my group and my organization. Um, is it more important for a group to get a big AA collection from a few people or a smaller collection in which more members participate? I like that one. Absolutely. So what's more important? Sense. Is it more important to get a few checks from our, our uh, lot of money from a few people, or is it more important that everybody contributes, right? They have, they feel like they're adding value, that they have ownership, they have responsibility and they're contributing you know, that's that they're a big just thing. as important that they are, they are yes, just as important, just as important. 
Yes. Bambi doesn't get to choose that we have Starbucks coffee at our meetings, right? Just because, you know, she donated to $5,000 or whatever, you know, the money right, exactly. that was, the, was our largest contributor. You know, we're, we decide that as a group. That's why you have your group conscience meetings and things like that so that you can, you know, not one person who is um, giving the most monetarily gets to make all of the decisions and just show up, you know, whatever, you know, these everyone's participating. Uh, another question is, uh, I don't know. Does my group have a prudent reserve? If yes, do I know what that amount is? That's a good one. It's again, it's about being open and honest, right? That there's, uh, we're sharing, we're all participating. We know exactly where we stand. And we can get um, to a place that we need to if we have to, you know, work harder, or give more, right? Um, if a family member, work colleague, or close friend who is not an AA member wants to make a financial contribution to my group, should the group accept it? We just talked about this. We're absolutely not. No. It's got to be from us, from within. Yeah. Be within. We don't. You know, and it's then the second question, part of that question is it's so interesting because you brought that up right away when we started. What if my group is short on funds? Doesn't matter. You better, you know, get get at it, right? Get more people, go help some more alcoholics and get them into the meeting and, and make sure people are learning and knowing about the traditions and that we are self-funded and self-supporting. Now, I did read too, Tiff, and I don't know if this is is true or not, because I was reading from all different sources, but that um, you can do fundraisers and different things like that. And that is allowed to go into your, if it's earned through an AA type, I don't know, sometimes they do 50-50 raffles or they'll do yes. um, things like that. Now that can go into your group fund. If you're running low, you can sell, have a t-shirt drive and sell a Bill W t-shirt yes. or something like that. Any sort of raffle, like our, our group does a lot of raffles, you know, people will donate um, the e-bike was the last one and um, sold raffle tickets, you know, to within our group mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, raffled off the, the, the e-bike e and uh, you can, you can do those things. You can have fundraisers and and they're supported and run by your group and you can accept those donations, you know, for the raffle, because again, there's a set price. A lot of times, you know, you're not just going right. out there and saying, Hey, you know, contribute here. And I'm going to give you a receipt for a write-off, you know, right, you're right. actually it's contributing and, and doing something communicative. What else? Do you have any other questions? Well, and uh, um, the one thing I did read that I found was interesting because it hit exactly on what you were saying um, about like, um, you know, um, like when you were at the bar, you could, you know, buy the whole bar around or whatever, you know, and it was talking, Bill W was talking about when he gave someone $5 um, after they had um, had a horrible relapse. And he gave them $5 to get themselves straight. But he said he wasn't even sure if he had maybe contributed to their next drink or not. Right. But he went to his home group that night and was only going to put a nickel in the pot or something like that for his home group. And it hit him how um, ego centric yes. he had been and how yes. much that was. So I guess it's all coming together for me a little bit, you know, some of those questions because 
um, really that makes that makes a lot of sense that why are we doing it? What are, are the motives pure? Are they for the right reason? You know? Yes. Yes. I I'm reading about that same kind of piece. There's a few, he gives a few examples in the tradition, the 12 steps and 12 traditions. And it, it says that he, then I woke up. I, who had boasted my generosity that morning was treating my own club worse than the distant alcoholics who had forgotten to send the foundation their dollars. I realized that my $5 gift to the, to the slippy was an ego-feeding proposition. Bad for him and bad for me. There was a place in AA where spirituality and money would not mix. And that is and that was in the hat. Right. So very good example. Yeah, um, I thought that was pretty cool. That made me really realize um, also the the way we enhance our dignity and um, self-respect and everything as a group by having that kind of group conscience, but also our self-conscious as mm-hmm. well. Yes, I agree 100%. And, you know, like I said, it makes you like you, like I said, and you said, like it, it makes you feel better when you can start contributing. It doesn't have to be, you know, equal to anybody else from a monetary perspective, but we all are doing it and it's all coming from within and it feels good to be a part of something. And that's just like the first few traditions. It's about being a part of something, right? Um, starting the and, lightning. And again. we were isolating before, you know, most of us were like yes. isolating or if we were with people, we weren't kind to people or we were using them for our own values and our own, you know, um, so to actually be part of something and to be welcomed and accepted, um, you know, um, makes a big difference. And we're learning and with like-minded people who understood me. Finally, right. I didn't have to pretend I could be open. I could be honest. And on top of it, they're teaching me good life values and skills. My group is through our traditions. Um, if there's a, I was just looking at another thing that's on here. Uh, when the facts were printed, there were profound. There was a profound reaction. People to people familiar with endless drives for charitable funds, AA presented a strange and refreshing spectacle. Approving editorials here and abroad generated a wave of confidence in the integrity of Alcoholics Anonymous. They pointed out that the irresponsible had become responsible and that making financial independence part of its tradition, Alcoholics Anonymous had received an ideal that the, that the era has most almost forgotten. So again, like giving, making the irresponsible responsible now is what we're transforming people into doing through this tradition. And now that we've done that, it's like, uh, we, ha- we can't forget it. So it, that's why the traditions are important so that we continue to move forward like this as a group, because this has been a big part of our personal growth, our personal success, keeping us sober is feeling like we're a contributing member of society. And that comes from this tradition and putting those values in place again and making us responsible to be um, out in the world, I guess productive or whoever our new self, right. Discovering who we really are. I'm not saying I'm new, but I discovered who I really was and what I was doing and where I could change things. There was a lot of where's 
And I didn't need to be that big showboat. I didn't need to have the best and the brightest and the shiniest. You know, I, I, there were much better things that I could do that were um, of more value personally, financially, in all sorts of different ways. And I guess my other question that was a big one, and I came across it a bunch while I was researching it is how were we impacted with the virtual world with this tradition? Because it changed everything, you know, the basket was just, you know, it was such a habit to put a dollar in the basket or $2 in the basket. Um, How, how has AA been impacted overall with this, the COVID and the shutdown? So there was a huge impact because first of all, we didn't know how to have meetings. And then all of a sudden there was this financial expense when they started to have the idea of virtual meetings. Well, the groups, most of the groups couldn't cover the cost of having their own, you know, group meetings. So they actually, for quite some time, um, the GSO supported each individual group that wanted a virtual meeting by paying their Zoom fees until they could, again, it was, there was an end date, right? Mm-hmm. Until you can get up and, and, and running, which is like figuring out how you're going to support, self-support yourself. your group, right? Sure. Uh, figure it out. And as soon as you figure that out, you know, you'll take on the responsibility of paying. It's just like paying rent that you paid for the place that you were holding your meetings at. There was costs there. Right. And, um, you know, those now that those are gone and you're holding your meetings a different way, you know, uh, then you can start paying for your own zoom fees. And, and so there was a financial impact. Um, then that was the impact of how do I contribute? Right. So, you know, there's so many ways that came there's, and think of all the positives because of this, because of like our traditions, because of how we do things and we're self-supporting how progressive we became in about 90 days, right? We went from archaic, you know, behaviors and, and thing to, to, to the the 21st century where we're all of a sudden it's like, all right, now we're having virtual meetings. They're still having an, uh, an impact, even more impacting more people because more people participated. They found out when they could, didn't have people don't always have time or to go to a meeting physically right. or they're, they're or remote no somewhere. Right. Yeah. There's no meetings where they live. Correct. Not a large community. So they got more members to be involved and start participating. Um, so this virtual world put that in, in place. Now the, again, so now we're helping our members, we're creating more, right? Now we have to figure out a way where each of those members can contribute still. So we can be self-supporting still. Yes. And so they started doing that. They started, you know, collecting money virtually that through Venmo, through whatever, whatever means that they had set up, they could mail checks, you know, there still was snail mail. So you could mail mail checks to to wherever it was, and as long as you communicated it, and people still did contribute and mail checks to keep the GSO going. Um, started spending sending their money there, and that made sense, you know. So it all filtered to the right spot. They started going to the GSO and sending their money there. Those that could keep that up and running, because that was keeping the individual meetings up and running by paying right. for the Zoom costs. And it what a great sense of community. that happened in during that time. So lots of good things and positives came um, 
I, I've been the most fortunate as an alcoholic and, and addict because of COVID. And it's because Me of the too. communities. I wouldn't have Me this too. community without it. This community wouldn't be here. So lots of, lots of good impacts. Yeah. I came after, after the COVID was the meetings were still up and running, but I'm like 45 minutes to an hour from a meeting from where I'm at. I'm like yeah. in the middle of nowhere. They have one, maybe one meeting that's local once a week, if someone can do it. And I mean, it's just a small little podunk town. So I've been like all virtual. Thanks. I mean, I hate to say thanks to COVID, but thanks to COVID, I've been able to maintain sobriety because I can oh, yes. on the friends in recovery meetings once or twice a day and I can get what I need out of it. Hands down, hands so. down. It kept me sober and made me who I am today was because yeah. of those virtual meetings. And that was all again, fully funded and self-supported. And I think right. that's very cool that we were, think of the impact, like you said, the impact on the website, the impact of the number of books that have been printed, the AA big book. Now think of the impact AA has had on the world, right? Where we actually had our shit together enough to keep going, keep our meetings going, set up something virtual that nobody had ever really thought would ever be effective or functional even. And we did it. We did it. Right. And our listeners absolutely believe it too, because um, um, Jordan says, love hearing the impacts to COVID and the virtual world has had on all the traditions, especially this one holds up. Tony says COVID is why he got sober. And Sandy says, I don't know what I would have done without these virtual meetings. Yes. So everyone is um, passionate about uh, how these have really developed. And, you know, and, and it's not like you're just hopping. I mean, like with friends in recovery, at least, I mean, I've created lifelong friendships. I mean, true connections. It's not like you're going into a room of different people every day. You know, you've sure. been able to find your group where you belong and stay. Yeah, there. And I've traveled all over the country to see right. these people that I've met all over from different yep. groups that I'm a part of. And I think that's the, I, that would never have otherwise happened. I would have been had, had the one meeting, like you said, that I had the opportunity to go to once a week, unless I wanted to drive 45 minutes away, one way to participate in a meeting, which I was doing in the beginning. I was driving 45 minutes just to be a part of a group. And uh, when that shut down, it was, it was crazy, but because of traditions like this and the values and the concepts that that, um, you know, we all have a great, more minds, multiple minds can come up with a lot more ideas than just one mind. Right. Absolutely. And so we all put ourselves together and made it happen. And I, and I just love it that we were progressive like that and worked together as a group and we actually functioned as a team. Here yes. we are again, those yes. irresponsible drunks. All yeah, right. Tony and Sandy. Last- Go ahead. Both agree, Tony and Sandy both agree. It says, look at all these Zoom babies who have only attended one to two real meetings. Yes. Or three to four yes. meetings. So yes. That's, it's working. That, it is working. They're staying sober. Um, I think that there is, like I started to, to miss going to an in-person meeting, but now I love having the option of doing both. I'm right. 90% virtual and I, maybe even more, 95% virtual, 5% you know, in person and live, you know, and that's just, again, keeping that group alive, participating in the actions. You know, there are people who can't get on meetings, you know, on virtual meetings. So there's the flip side of things. True. And 
you know, we get to do, and it's nice to connect with people and again, feel like that, you know, that human perspective. So those are all just, I, all meetings are great. I've never had a bad one yet. I've had some that I don't like, but they're all been good. So I think that's it. We're going to wrap it up about on tradition seven, unless you have something else you want to talk about or overall, what do you, how do you feel now as a new, from a newcomer's perspective, do you feel like you understand it more? Did Oh, I understand it so much more. I'm, I'm actually going to, and any newbies out there listening, go back and listen to the um, traditions on the podcast, because I'm going to do that because it's a real person's point of view. You know, it's not what you're reading on the books, but it's what, you know, you guys are discussing. And, and I understand it so much better now because I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't we want to take that money? And why couldn't we, we could do this with it and we could do that with it. But I understand so much more now the reasons the deeper meanings yes why i felt the same way that, that you did the same way i was like these people need me man like i i have why aren't they taking this money right i could go right. and get that money right like again right. ego right i could right. i could do it i could change this am i the first person to come along to aa that says that we should get more money and think we can really do this you know like again perspective yeah. humility all these things and then flip side, all of a sudden you start contributing, making things happen and um, being, it's it just, it, it has come full circle and I had to have someone teach me too. So yes, go back, listen to the traditions. It's always the fourth show of the month or the last show of the month is the tradition of the month. And um, they were, they've all been interesting discussions. Ed always says too, he's never been a, a a guy who knew a lot about the traditions, like you read them off and in the meetings and, and we talk, just read them off and then we stop, right? Or there's, you can actually go, if you go to aa.org, uh, uh, aaintergroup.org, you can search for tradition meetings only. Like it's just all about the tradition. And I learned a lot. You can search oh, on wow. YouTube. You can listen to the traditions. People have meetings about the traditions and there's lots of videos on the traditions where it's actually video of Bill W working oh, wow. through and writing the tradition. Check that out. Yes. Yeah. So YouTube is a great resource to uh, see live video of people either teaching the tradition, talking about the tradition, and to actually see how Bill W himself, you know, ha- held these meetings and 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 came up with the concepts and actually had to sell it and put it and send it out to the groups. So. And, and enforce it. Good info. Yeah, but it keeps us alive. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's it. We're going to head out, say over and out. What is Jersey Ed? He always says, uh, stay sober, everyone. This concludes this episode of Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates and enjoy free access to twice daily support meetings. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.